Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the minors to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode six of the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed with Clegg and Cross. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and joining me as always in the Toolshed is my esteemed co-host from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. What's going on, Chris? Not much, man. Just another day in the Toolshed, ready to talk some more prospects. We need to make a shirt out of that. Another day in the tool shed. That sounds like a good like like slogan or for a shirt or a mug or something. We right. we, we gotta get on the the swag and the you know the stuff like that. People put on mugs left and right these days and t shirts and hats and whatnot. We gotta get we gotta get a little piece of that pie. Sounds good to me. I'm down for that. Get on the trend <laughs> with everybody. Right. Might as well. You know, we we can figure that out. I gotta find a find a place to do it, but yeah, that should be fun. Uh, yeah, we we got another great show today. Um, before we get into the show, a little bit of housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Eric Cross zero four. Chris is at Roto Clegg, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five star review on iTunes or your preferred podcasting platform. And some personal work for Chris and I coming out here. Um, I've been kind of slowing down a little bit on the HQ side for content because I've been ramping up my. Uh, fantasy baseball black book work that Joe Pizapia uh, puts out every year. Um, I'm also the editor for that book now too. So I've been doing a lot of editing for that too. Um, but that, all that work will be done soon and it'll be available. I'm told December 15th for order off of uh, Amazon. So um, definitely check that out. It's a great book. You got Paul Sporer, um, Kate, uh, Brian Ektrain, uh, Casey Bubba, as everyone knows him, and a lot of good, uh, a lot of good people in this book. Um, and obviously Joe Pizapia as well. Um, so check that out. Uh, Chris and I have some articles on some Blue Jay players. Chris, you got what? Teoscar Hernandez, right? That's correct. Yep. And I'll have one on Lourdes Gurriel coming out this week as we kind of start covering the AL East on Fantrax HQ. And then, of course, um, check out all the other great podcasts we have, too. Five Tool Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I host with uh, Jake Devereaux and Jesse Roche. Triple Play Podcast on campus. Kick Around, Fantasy Hockey Life, and IDP. And we can finally say this out loud now. 
the latest podcast we brought on that I've been teasing for a few weeks now. Uh, we're bringing on the SP Streamer podcast with Doug Ichikawa and um, Michael Simeone. So that is our latest edition. We are very, very happy about that. Very excited. Um, that should be up hopefully pretty soon here, but um, that it is official now. We can we can say it to all of you. Um, so definitely check that out once. Obviously check it out now, but uh, especially when it comes over to our platform in the near future. But let's get into the show. Um, unfortunately, though, this show starts off on a little bit of a, a sad note as the pro- baseball world, the prospect world, the world in general, lost a great person today um, or on Sunday. And you'll be hearing this on Monday. But John Cavano, you know, you know him as uh, Sal Notes. He uh, did the Notes from the Sally site for the longest time, many, many years and recently kind of moved over to Prospects 365 and Prospects Live. Uh, about a week or so ago, yeah, his wife posted on Facebook and then also on Twitter as well um, that he was in critical condition with sepsis, and unfortunately that ended up taking his life. And I never had the chance to meet John in person because obviously he was in North Carolina and me in Maine. Um, so we never had a chance to meet and attend a game together, but talked with him uh, a good amount on on social media over the last few years, getting to know him. And you know, not only was John a, a prolific baseball mind, a prolific scouting mind, just had an eye for baseball, but he was just a good guy, like very, very helpful um, for me and many others um, that got into the uh, scouting and prospect world over the last handful of years and always willing to, you know, lend a helping hand, give you, give you tips and just have a good baseball conversation. We had plenty of baseball conversations, music conversations. He was a big music guy too, classic rock like myself. Um, so yeah, just a, just a stand up gentleman, stand up guy in, ad- in addition to his, you know, great baseball mind. So yeah, the, uh, we lost a good one um, today or yesterday. So if you, uh, if you can, uh, I posted you know, on Twitter, uh, Justin Hughes started a GoFundMe to help it, John's family with all the, uh, the costs that go along with a tragedy like this, funeral costs and and so on and so forth. Um, so definitely, if you can, please you know donate anything helps. If not, just retweeting it and getting it out there to more people um, on Twitter definitely helps as well. But we lost a good one today, Chris. That is true. And so we definitely thinking about and praying for the family during this time. Yep. Um, fortunately, I haven't... I've only interacted with John several times on Twitter, but they were all great interactions. We had just several weeks ago, man, talked about catching a game. He's He lives about an hour from me, so we had talked about um, catching several games this coming year, so it's definitely a sad loss. So we are, we're praying for, for his family for sure. Absolutely. You, you never hear a bad word. I've not heard one bad word about John Cavano. He was just a great guy. So rest in peace, John. We miss you, and I'm sure you'll be watching plenty of games up there from heaven. You got a front row seat to any game you want to now. So rest in peace, buddy. But uh, let's get into the show now. Uh, We got a great show uh, on store for tonight. Um, Talking about catching prospects. And at first glance, like, oh, catching prospects. But, you know, it's not too bad now. It's not great. You know, obviously it's not like shortstop or outfield or, or something like that, pitching. But, you know, catching is on the rise, especially with this last draft class, definitely helped that out. Last couple of draft classes too. Um, so let's start out here with each of our top 12. So Chris, who's your top 12? 
All right. So number one, which I think will be number one for most everybody, is Adley Rutschman. Number two, Joey Bart. Three, Luis Camposano. Number four, Austin Wells. Number five, Francisco Alvarez. Number six, Tyler Soderstrom. Number seven, which is a guy who could be debated whether it should be on a catcher list, but also a guy we were chatting before we started recording that should probably be way higher up is Heriberto Hernandez, who we're both very excited about. Number eight, uh, Dylan Dingler. Number nine, Alejandro Kirk. Number 10, Diego Cartaya. 11, Ivan Herrera. And number 12, Sam Huff. What about you? Let's, let's hear your top 12. Very similar. It's a little bit of, you know, switch flipping and some of these players here, but obviously Richmond, number one, Joey Bart, two, Austin Wells, three, another one. Who knows if he says a catcher? Probably not. Uh, Luis Campuzano, four. I have Harry Berto, five, and I might move him up to four. Um, I was just, the more I look into Harry Berto, the more I like him, the more I move him up. Um, so I have him there. Uh, Francisco Alvarez at six. Dylan Dingler, seven. Tyler Soderstrom, eight. Alejandro Kirk, nine. Sam Huff, 10. Diego Cortea, 11. Ivan Herrera, 12. And then right, I listed 13. So I'll say Miguel Amaya was my next ones. I thought I listed 12, but I listed 13, it looks like. But so, yeah, a lot of the same guys here, um, slightly different order. But yeah, we, I don't think anybody in the world has a different top catching prospect right now than Adley Rushman. So that's not really up a, a debate. But, you know, what I like, I want to talk about, I think what everybody, kind of thinks about now is can he be like a couple years down the road he's obviously he's, he's nearly major league ready even though he's you know when he had a little bit of time in the minor leagues in 2019 and then the alternate site in 2020 can he be you know the future number one overall fantasy catcher i think he can what do you think yeah i definitely think so it's pretty rare you have a catcher that's this polished at the plate at Oregon State in college, uh, he had 28 home runs, slash 352, 473, and 559 in his career, 185 games. But he steadily improved. Junior year, um, right before he got drafted, he was just dominant. In 57 games, hit 17 bombs and slashed 411, 575, 751. I mean, it's stupid good, man. I think in a peak season, like he could hit 28 to 30 home runs with – a 285 or so batting average, but the OBP floor is crazy high as well. Like he could easily be a 370 OBP guy. So he's extremely valuable. I think he's easily the best catcher in the league. Once we see real Muto kind of age and tail off a little bit, real Muto has been the consistent for several years now, but eventually I do think he tails off and, and Rushman takes that spot. I mean, he's plus hit plus power in the cards. He's elite in the field elite arm. So he's going to stick behind the plate. So there's a high, high chance in my opinion that he is our future catcher. Number one for, for fantasy baseball. I agree with, I agree with that. You know, I wrote an article, I think it was last month, you know, asking if Will Smith could overtake Rio Muto and, and mentioned in that, I was like, well, he better hurry up and do so if he wants any time, you know, in that throne, because Ali Grochman is going to come up and snatch that from him pretty soon here. Yeah. You know, the, the, the combination of ceiling and floor here is ridiculous. I said plus hit plus power. You know, switch hitter. He can cover. He covers the plate well from both sides. Can use the entire field. Power from both sides. It's hard to find a a weakness, a glaring weakness. And everybody has the little things they got to work on, but there's no glaring weakness here with with Richmond. And like you mentioned, he's a stick behind the plate because he's a very good 
defensive catcher as well. It wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, mixed in a couple gold gloves in his career. I think that's definitely possible. The plate approach is great. You know, his senior season at, at Oregon State, he walked twice as many times as he struck out, 76 to 38. And then and that plate approach carried over in, into the minors last year, 20 walks and 154 plate appearances. There's just so much to love here. Like I said, this, the floor is so incredibly high. Like, who cares if he's a catcher? Like, he's, you know, he'd be ranked in my top 20. I don't care. A lot of people bump him down because because he's a catcher. Who cares? This dude is going to be a potential 330, you know, backstop, which we haven't had in – I don't remember the last time we had a 330 catcher, but he has the upside to do just that. Maybe Mike Piazza or Pudge. I don't know. If, I don't know if Posey ever had that type of season. I don't think he ever had 30 bombs. I don't think Mauer ever had 30 bombs either. I think he got close that one year. But, you know, Adley Richmond has – the chance to be one of the best catchers that we've ever seen. You know, you know, I'm only 30 years old and, you know, you know, I can remember the, you know, I was old enough. I'm old enough to remember the Piazza and Pudge days in the nineties, early two thousands. But, you know, Richmond has a chance to be just as good. It's a generational catcher. So I do think he's going to be, you know, a couple years from now. It, it's not going to take too long either. Like I said, a couple years from now, I think he's going to be that, that top catcher because he's so advanced at the plate. Um, like I said, no weakness to be found. So I do think we're, Probably talking 20, I think when we do rankings in, let's say, 20, 2023, I think he'll be right up there in the top tier. And then 2024, I think that's when we're going to see him really take over. So that's only, you know, really three years from now. So um, definitely love him. And the guy right behind him for, you know, he's pretty much everyone's number two catching prospect and Joey Bart. We both have number two overall. You know, the question a lot of people had, you know, is he close to, Rushman. For me, the answer is yes, but only in the power department. <laughs> so that, that's where they're similar. They both have, you know, plus or better raw power. Both have the chance to hit 30 bombs at the major league level. But Rushman is far ahead in the hit tool. Rushman's plus hit. You know, I'd say Bart, you know, at one point I was teetering on, you know, above average hit, but I think also the one as a, you know, more of a 50 hit, 60 power, while Rushman's 60 for both. So, you know, that's probably you're looking at another 20 to 30 points on average for, for Rushman. And I, I like Bart too. A lot of people are a little bit down on him as he had a very lackluster debut. Didn't even hit a home run in his 33 games with San Fran. But, you know, I'm still, I'm still very high on Bart. Don't get me wrong. Just because he's not on Rushman's level for me. Uh, something we're looking at, I got his probably hit like 260 to 270. You know, like I said, 25, 30 home runs, some solid counting stats would probably be one of the, Know, the, in the heart of that San Fran order, which could be a pretty good, you know, lineup down the road of some of these uh, prospects they have, Luis Matos and Luciano, and once those guys get up, and that could be a sneaky good lineup in a handful of years, and he could be right in the middle of that. So, definitely like Bart a lot, but yeah, he's not on Richmond's level for me. Yeah, me either. He, they're they're not in the same ballpark at all. Uh, power, maybe, yeah, definitely power, but the rest, like you said. I have him potentially maybe below average hit tool. May, between 45 and 50 is where I've got it. So I'm looking at a guy that probably hits like 250 to 260, and his plate discipline just is average at best, while Rudgman has great plate discipline. So if you're in an OBP league, Bart's OBP is not going to be the highest. Um, but he's still valuable. Honestly, could be a time to buy low on him in Dynasty if the owner is soured on his debut. You're still going to get a lot of power out of him and, even from a catcher standpoint, a 260 average would be pretty good with he can hit 25, 30 bombs. So Bart is solid. He's not Rutschman, which is fine. He's still 
ours and most people's number two catcher prospect because he is that good. So don't hear us out and say that we think he's bad, but just make sure you're hearing that he's not on the same level as Adley Rutschman. So that's kind of where we stand on Joey Bart. Yeah, I think we're both on the same line of thinking there. So definitely a great buy low right now if that opportunity arises in your dynasty league because he still has the potential to be – I think he'd be, he can be a top five fantasy catcher. Would you agree with that? Yeah, a seven to, five to seven range probably. Yeah, like a, like a middle middle range like starting catcher. I think that's fair. Um, may not have the average get up there, but hits enough av- – you know, 260 is – pretty solid for a catcher honestly right. that's, probably, that's probably like the equivalent of like 290 anywhere else uh so yeah solid average good power i think he could definitely be a kind of a, definitely a middle of the pack c1 for fantasy purposes while adley has the potential to be the c1 the c1 for fantasy purposes um after these two you know those are most everybody's number one number two then once you get the three then there's a little bit of a debate you know you got the next kind of grouping is like Luis Campuzano, Francisco Alvarez, you know, Austin Wells could be thrown up in there. Dalton Varsho was kind of in that range before he graduated uh, near the end of 2020. You know, but there's a couple, you know, guys like Alvarez and Campuzano we'll talk about here. Campuzano, he's a guy that I like, but he's, you know, he's got himself in a little bit of uh, trouble this offseason with the, the marijuana arrest, uh, felony weight marijuana arrest. Uh, in your neck of the woods, Chris, in, in Georgia, I think it was near Augusta, Georgia, where he had that. So that's kind of clouded his value a little bit because, you know, not sure how that's going to play out legally. But, man, Capitano can hit. He's doesn't quite have the power. I think he has the hit tool of – or at least close to the hit tool of Rushman, but where he falls off is the power. I think he's more eh, average power, um, maybe more of a 15 to 20 home run guy. You know, more of a line drive hitter. He has a higher ground ball rate, so that kind of limits his in-game power. Maybe that can tick up, but you know, very very safe profile. Great approach at the plate. Because I can, he can, covers the plate very well. Uh, swings fairly linear through the zone, but direct to the ball. I just don't know if he hits for enough power to get up to you know the elite range overall, though. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And I'm not sure how this arrest plays out. I haven't really heard anything. So that's been probably a month and a half since that happened. And yeah. I, haven't, I haven't heard anything at all on it or seen, but like you mentioned, the hit tool was legit. He really took off in 2019. He, he slashed uh 325, 396, 509 in those 110 games. And even made his major league debut uh, this season, hit a home run in this long game played. Like you said, there's probably potential plus hit in the profile. The power probably profiles, I think to above average if he, Again, you mentioned the ground balls, which are an issue, but I could see him growing in 2022 home run pop with potential like 280 batting average, which is pretty solid. He's also got a pretty solid OBP floor. From what he's shown, he he can walk at a high clip, which is definitely encouraging. But we'll see how this whole situation plays out because right now it's kind of muddy. Like what's going to happen? We don't know. It could be nothing, could be something. But right now as a player, we're looking at a, a guy that could be solid, but probably not like an elite catcher. So that's kind of where we stand. Let's transition over to a younger guy now, and that's Francisco Alvarez. What do you think about Alvarez? So let me, let me ask you, though, before I start, do you like Alvarez more than Campizano? I'd have him ranked lower, but I obviously think that he could be better, yeah. So I, I I, I'm, I'm kind of that same line of thinking here. They're, they're very close 
in my overall. Let's see how far off are they in my overall. I think only like twenty. They're probably within twenty spots of each other. Uh, Alvarez. Is, oh, they got they're closer than that. I have uh, Capizano one twelve and Alvarez one fifteen. I do think I said. Well, I do have Capizano ranked a few spots ahead. I, I kind of agree that I think he could surpass. I think there's a little more power projection with Alvarez. Uh, he, he's a handful of years younger too. I think he's about two and a half years younger than Capizano, but obviously doesn't have as much experience in the minors. He just got into the minors in 2019, but played fairly fairly good. Uh, finished the slash line 312, 407, 510. That was between mostly in the Appalachian League, a little bit in the Gulf Coast League as well. Had a 10 doubles, seven bombs, and a 21-37 walk to strikeout ratio of across 182 plate appearances. So I, I like the approach he has a pretty very quick swing very thunderous swing a lot of good i think he's above average to plus raw that's still kind of transmitting in games but did have those seven bombs in 42 games which is pretty solid that's about what like a 20 to 25 homer pace over a full season you know obviously he's not going to provide any speed he's below average runner but i think he could be a pretty solid four category producer you know and there's really not much in his way going you know not unless the Mets sign rio muto if they sign Remuto, that throws a monkey wrench into this whole thing. But right now, there's not much in his way um, above him or at the major league level. So he's got a pretty clear path as of now. But he's still a few years away, like I mentioned. Probably more of like a 2023 ETA, if I had to say. Um, but I do think there's a potential here for above average hit, above average power. So probably a pretty solid OBP as well. He can draw walks already at such a young age. Like he had a... Uh, we're on a 12% walk rate at just 17 years old. So you'd really love to see that. And that wasn't just in the Gulf Coast. That's the most, mostly at the Appalachian League, which is a little more advanced than the Gulf Coast League is um, for pitching. So like to see that. So I think in the long term, we're, we're nitpicking. I think overall, these both him and Capizano, you know, have a chance to be, I think, back end starting fantasy catch, like, you know, the 10 to 12 range. You know, they have enough power, enough average that they'll get up there, but they maybe not get to the higher end of uh of fantasy catchers yeah and like you mentioned i mean he was doing that at 17 years old which is pretty impressive in my book uh Camposano is 22 alvarez is now uh, 19 because we know we lost that 2020 seasons but alvarez was doing the those things at 17 which was quite impressive i, mm. I don't think he's ever going to stand out anywhere but he's going to be like you mentioned he's going to be like solid to above average in four categories probably I think there's 20 to 25 home runs in the bat, solid batting average, like 270 range, solid OPP. So there's stuff to like for sure. And so you you can go either way between Alvarez and Camposano. Alvarez maybe gets the gets the bump because he's younger and he's been doing like we obviously don't have the track record because that was just in rookie ball at 17 years old. But be curious to see where he begins this year in 2021 and how he really develops. So those were our top guys. We, we kind of broke it up. We're not going to walk through just by like our numbered rankings, kind right. of figured there's a different way to do that. So those were our four top dogs we listed. Uh, we're going to transition to some guys that debuted this year. And so first guy up is Sam Huff. You like Sam Huff? Ah, uh, kind of. So when it comes to, you know, we had him and Alejandro Kirk kind of come up near the end of the year. Out of the two of them, you know, they're both guys are pretty close to my rankings. Long term, I think Kirk is the better fantasy guy. 
you've seen Huff. He really, really shot up rankings over the last couple of years um, due to how he performed in in 2019, especially, you know, hitting 278, 28 bombs, 72 RBI, even threw in six steals for good measure in 127 games between uh, the South Atlantic League and the High A Carolina League, or Class A Advance, I should say, Carolina League. That really put him on the map. He wasn't a big, you know, he wasn't a really highly heralded prospect. He was a seventh-round pick um, back in uh, 2016. Never really was a, any on anybody's radar, so sort of like deeper dynasties, until he had that breakout year in 2019. Now he's vaulted up way too high. I even saw like MLB Pipeline had him as like the number three overall catcher. And I was like, that's that's way too high in my opinion. Love the power. I think he's like a poor man's Joey Bart, where I think he could be a, a really solid power source. He's plus power, and that, that'll play, especially down in Texas. But I think his hit tool is below average. You know, you look at when you compare um, the strikeout and walk rates for Sam Huff and Alejandro Kirk. So 2018 for Kirk, 13.5% walk rate, 8.6% strikeout rate. In 2019, those were 15.1 and 10.5 respectively. All right, let's go over to Huff. In 2018, Huff, 5.1% walk rate, 31.3% strikeout rate, and then 6.4 and 29.7 in 2019. So they got a little better. Like each went like improved about a 1.5% or so, but... I worry there's too much swing and miss to his game, too much chase. He's going to be a low OBP guy. Even with Huff's breakout season, you know, 335 was his OBP. I think that's best case scenario. I think he's more of like a 250-ish hitter, maybe even 240. OBP probably be low threes at best. Um, He'll add the power. Maybe he's like, you know, slightly better Mike Zunino. So I like him. I think he could be like... You know, high-end number two catcher uh, in two-catcher formats. Maybe best-case scenario gets to, like, back-end C1. But I would rather have Kirk. I mean, Kirk doesn't have the power but that Huff has. Kirk's for, like, average power, probably like a 15 home run guy. But, man, can that little freaking bowling ball hit? You know, 315, 418, 500 slash. Dude has more walks than strikeouts in his minor league career. That Kirk is just a hitting machine. So, yeah, well, you might only have 15 home runs. I'll take you know the 280, 290 average and the and the high OBP uh, any day of the week over Sam Huff. Yeah, so Sam Huff reminds me of Gary Sanchez. Hmm. He's probably going to go through stretches where he's going to be like dominant. Everybody wants. Why do you, Why did you have to say that? I'm taking get... a sip of my drink. I'm just going to up my drink <laughs> there. Ill. Not a great comp. Like, well, eh, it could be, could be could worse be. comps, but it's not right, right. now. <laughs> Zanino is pretty low. Like Sanchez would probably be like best outcome, but Sanchez went from like our number one dynasty catcher several years ago to he's fallen completely out of grace. Right. Huff probably has the most raw power of any catcher prospect there is, in my opinion, potential 70 grade. Like he's got that much power, but his hit tool sucks. It's just not there. Like maybe a 30 grade hit. So people may be deceived by the fact that he came up this year and hit 355 hit three bombs and 33 plate appearances. He struck out 33% of the time. A lot of threes in there. So but high. <laughs> it wasn't a fluke that he did that. He strikes out everywhere he goes. He's going to be a huge boom or bust play, likely more bust than boom. But he's going to go through stretches, man. He's going to have weeks where he just just kills it probably and gets people very excited. So 
if you can't sell, then sell. But I like Kirk a lot. He should continue to rise probably. And I think that he's going to take the job in Toronto this year and run with it. I'll just go ahead and say that. Like he's going to yeah. beat out Danny Jansen and it's, it's his job to lose in my opinion, because he's that good of a hitter kind of hoping they don't sign JT real Muto kind of some speculation there. I wouldn't like that. I'd love to see Kirk get his opportunity and run That's with bad. it. Man, yep, I, his, I agree with that. Yeah. His plate discipline. So elite walked 93 times and struck out just 60 in 151 career minor league games. That's pretty dang impressive. <laughs> not bad. That's not right. bad at all. <laughs> right. Monster OBP guy. He's got 20 home run pop. I think could hit 300. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he had 300 seasons with, with 20 bombs. So I'll take that safe floor all day over Sam Huff because Huff is so volatile. So give me Kirk all day. I'll be getting Kirk a lot in redraft this year as long as they don't sound real Muto because I think he's going to have a killer year and return a lot of value. Mark it down. Top five catcher. Top five catcher this year, 2021. In 2021. You you just got Jake Devereaux very excited. <laughs> Jake, if you're listening, you better be listening. Contain your excitement as best as possible. <laughs> he's probably drooling on his keyboard or on whatever he's listening, <laughs> using to listen to this podcast. But Jake's probably the biggest. I don't know. You might be rivaling Jake now. Like Jake is the biggest Alejandro Kirk fan that I know. But Jake I don't know. was on him way before me. But that's true. I'm, but Jake, I'm all Jake, in. Might, Jake, you might have. Some competition, you know. Chris is trying to steal your man here, but Alejandro <laughs> Kirk, you know, I, I I'm I'm very high in Kirk too. It's funny, like Remus is a great player. Don't get me wrong, but you know, obviously we, we we keep saying like, oh, I hope the Mets don't sign him so Alvarez can get a shot down the road. And same thing with Toronto. Toronto doesn't really need Remus. Obviously, it'd be great to have him, but they already have Kirk. Danny Jansen's another solid young catcher. I think his profile is better as a backup. Um, to Kirk than anything else, but that's that's not a bad duo to roll with for the next you know five to what ten years or so. So you know Toronto, go spend that money on like pitching. Go get like you know a, a Paxton or a, no, don't get Paxton. Get, like Trevor Bauer if you want to go big. Go go Bauer. Don't go uh, don't go Remuto. We want we want to see Kirk here. I'm not sure if I'll go top five, but for this year, but I, I guess he definitely see top ten if he gets that job. I could definitely see top ten. I'm getting him a lot late in drafts. You know especially in two catcher leagues. You know, I've been waiting a lot, getting a lot of Bart, getting a lot of Kirk, even getting some Huff shares too, because the price has been pretty reasonable. Um, yeah, definitely, you know, got some, definitely some upside for both of these guys, but we both agree Kirk is the guy. A couple others here quickly before we hit the break that debuted that I'm personally less excited on, but let's see what you think, Chris. We had Tyler Stevenson in Cincinnati and Ryan Jeffers in Minnesota. You know, which one of the, you like either one of those two guys long-term? Not really. <laughs> I guess Stevenson more. I don't know. I just thought that I was really hoping that he could take advantage of this opportunity this year. I thought he would be the guy in Cincinnati potentially. I mean, he's he's now 24 years old. I assumed that he would have already come up. And, and I mean, he, he had 20 plate appearances this year, hit two home runs, hit 294. Numbers look all right, but I don't know. Long term, I'm just not – in love with it. Some people love Tyler Stevenson, like very high on him. I think the power can be there. We just haven't really seen it. Like he hasn't translated into game power. Like he's got some raw power in the swing, but just hasn't shown it in game. The hit tool still developing. I think he can be an average hit, probably settles in like average power. He's got a great arm, not the best behind the plate, but it'll be interesting to see how he plays out. I'm not 
in love with him by any means, but he could be okay. Like back in of a two catcher league, you might could get him, but I don't know. Not loving him. Yeah. I think Stevenson falls into that kind of dreaded better in real life than fantasy catcher. I think he could be, you know, he'd be one of those guys that sticks around and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, you know, Stevenson's had a 14 year career or something like that as a, as a catcher. I think that could definitely happen, but for fantasy, I don't know. Like I, said, I just don't see it. I'm with you. Like, and maybe he sneaks his way into relevance a few years, but I think he's probably going to be a guy where, for the most part, you're picking him up when he gets hot, kind of riding out the hot stretches for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's hit 100 over the last three weeks. Time to drop him again. So I think he's one of those guys, kind of borderline. I think he's a decent second catcher in those formats. But, yeah, I, I don't see a, a super high fantasy you know, future for him. Jeffers, I like a little more. I'll say I'm not, you know, I'm not super high on Ryan Jeffers, but he's shown that he can hit for pretty solid power. I think he's above average power. You know, hit tool is, is you know better than um, Stevenson, better than Huff. I think he's more of like an average hit. So I think Jeffers could have you know a future where he's you know I don't think he'll be C one territory, but. You know, solid C2, 15th to 20th catcher in fantasy in Minnesota, especially if, if they keep, you know, a lot of those, um, that good lineup around him, or he, he'd probably be hitting low in the order regardless. But I think he's got a little more fantasy upside. He's starting to get a walk, you know, above 10% of the time in the minor leagues, 296, 383, 453 career slash in the minors. Um, I got his debut, hit fairly well, 273, 355, 436, and 26 games for Minnesota with three bombs. So, I think he could have a little bit of value, but you know, he's not one where I'd be looking at him outside of probably two catcher formats or so. Um, but did you have anything on, on Jeffers? No, not a whole lot. I mean, they he did start in the postseason, which was encouraging. So maybe maybe he's the guy for them next year. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe he spends time with Garver. Is, is Garver still under contract next year? He should be. I think. Yeah. But it was so like Garver. I know he was injured and stuff. But he just like completely fell out of grace with them it seems so I, who knows how it plays out but yeah there's Garver's power. still arbitration eligible he's yeah he's yeah. still under contract yeah there's some power in jeffers profile i've actually roster resource projects jeffers to be the starter next year i know it's a long way to go but mm-hmm. definitely interesting to see that who knows could play out could work in his favor but yeah i mean long term jeffers probably has or he definitely has more upside than, than stevenson in my opinion yeah i definitely agree it's weird seeing Garver's arbitration eligible when he's already almost 30 years old. He'll be 30 in like a month and a half, mid-January. <laughs> and I'm on his <laughs> I'm on his baseball reference page. His nickname is Garv Sauce. That is a gr- <laughs> G-A-R-V, Garv Sauce. I, I, I want to know how you get that nickname. Maybe he's just a smooth dude. Who knows? But when you see that type of nickname, I always think, what's the backstory behind that nickname? Right. Um, <laughs> That's a great nickname, but uh, maybe they split time in 2020 with Jeffers getting a little more of the starting gig. And, you know, maybe some, they get some DH in there too. But um, yeah, I can see Jeffers sneaking his way into fantasy relevance in 2021, but we'll see. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. And on the other side, we'll come back and talk some 2020 draftees and some upside guys that close out the show. 
Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break here. Now, before we get into the 2020 draft class, I had a little bit of a uh, debate that's you know, been flying around Twitter for the last year or two, especially with the emergence of one of these two catchers. That's the the very good catching duo out in Los Angeles, the Dodgers catchers, Kybert Ruiz and Diego Cartea. Kind of which which one do we prefer for fantasy purposes? You, regardless of where you look, you see I've seen a lot for either way. Personally, I rank Cartea higher. I've been kind of fading Ruiz over the last couple of years. Um, what do you think, Chris? Who do you like more between Kyber Ruiz and Diego Cartea? Yeah, it's definitely Cartea for me. Kyber probably has the better hit tool, but Cartea definitely has more power. I don't really see uh, Ruiz growing into a ton of power. And, it, and it's funny because when they called him up this year, everybody was – on Twitter was kind of going crazy. Like, do we pick him up? And I advised not to pick him up. I didn't see the the fantasy relevance. And then of course he, he had a home run in his first game. So it kind of looked bad on me, <laughs> but you know, he can hit the, like he's got a great hit tool. He's going to hit for solid average. He doesn't walk at a high clip though. He's not going to hit for a lot of power. I mean, his biggest power season home run wise was, was 12 home runs in 2018. Uh, Cartaya is a little, a lot younger, actually. He's only 19. So we haven't seen a ton of him as he only played in rookie ball, but he's very impressive from, from what I've seen. I think there's a lot of development to be had, but there's a lot more upside long-term as well. If he continues that track of development, like you're looking at definitely above average power, the hit tools should get to average. I think he's got even more raw power in, in the tank too. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops as he, continues to grow. I mean, he's 6'2", listed at 199 right now. He could continue to grow into that frame a little bit and add some more power to him, but he's got a great arm. I think he he likely sticks at catcher long-term, which both guys honestly probably do, so it'll be interesting to see how the Dodgers play it out because they've also got another guy, Will Smith, so mm-hmm. they're absolutely loaded. So how does this play out for both, for all three of them? You know, I know, right? There's only so, and it's not like you're in the American League and you can just like, all right, let's stick you know, the worst defender of the three at, at DH just to get his bat in the lineup. You can't do that, you know, unless, not unless the NL adopts the DH full-time. But, you know, that's a good that's a good question because, you know, Will Smith is no slouch. Like We've talked about him a little bit here, and I wrote that article about him. Will Smith is a very, very good player overall and was pound for pound arguably the best catcher offensively in 2020 so where do Cartea and you know um Ruiz fit in you know Ruiz and Smith has some athleticism so maybe they can play off but wherever you'd put them they'd be playing they'd probably just look awkward while they have the athleticism to get out from behind the plate on occasion that you see Smith put a little bit of third at one point in the minors early on but you know it's just not going to be a good look overall defensively if you're throwing like Smith a third or Cartea and left or first, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but it's between the two here. I also am a Cartea guy. And like I said, I've been, I've been fading 
Ruiz for the last couple of years now. You know, I remember a you know, conversation out at First Pitch Arizona in the Arizona Fall League, you know, last year in, in the fall, October 2019. I rented a gigantic Suburban, which I rented, I asked for a mid-sized car and they gave me a Suburban. So I was the one lugging everyone around to the games. So I could fit like 15 people in that beast. Um, but there was one, um, we were going to one game. Uh, and there's a few other prospect guys. I won't say their names because I'll you know, let them say their own story and their own thoughts. But a few other you know well um, well liked prospect analysts were in the, in the vehicle with me, and we were all kind of like, yeah, we don't like Ruiz that much anymore. And I said, you mentioned that the hit tool is very solid. I think he'd be 280, 290 hitter overall, but the power is what I question. You know, see the power is going to really t- taking a nosedive. You know, he's, he's not hitting the ball as, as far as estimated fly ball distance has been going down. And his fly ball rate, he doesn't hit as many fly balls as he used to either. So I may, I think he's like a 12. If, you know, if he's a full-time starting catcher, getting, you know, 130 or so games, maybe he's like a 12 to 15 home run guy tops with a good average. But I don't see him ever getting up to like 20 or anything like that without a, a major change. I don't even know if he has the raw power to get up there. I think best case scenario, looking at 50-grade raw power. But Cartea, you know, he's kind of the other way around. The hit tool isn't quite as advanced. Got that, got that big power though. And uh, Jason Panini, you know, I like to reference his uh, top 100 Arizona uh, league article he wrote a uh, year and a half ago, a lot. And he ranked Cartea as his fourth best player in that league, behind Luciano, Abrams, and Bobby Witt Jr. That's, and that was right in front of Corbin Carroll, Hudson Head, Aaron Bracho, Alex Lepernez, You know. Very, very, he was very hot on him as well. And he said this, well-rounded catcher with plus raw power. Katea has a major league body at, at age 17 and moves remarkably well for his size. He has good receiving skills that should allow him to stick at the position. His arm is fringe average at present and should get average as he ages. Katea has an effortless swing, which lets his strength play and creates easy loft through his swing plane. It is a power overhit offensive profile. So kind of what we were just saying here with, you know, he's more of a plus power, maybe below average hit, gets to maybe gets to 50 hit. But I think for fantasy purposes, you know, taking away the fact that, you know, they might be blocked by Will Smith in the next few years, you know, Ruiz now is blocked by Will Smith. Um, the good thing for Cartea, though, is it allows, he's, he's still a few years away. Like Cartea is, I think, only 18, maybe he just turned 19, but he's at the most, he's 19 years old. So he's still got a, he's still a few years away. So hopefully that gives a lot of some time to, you know, still work on his craft and he doesn't they don't have to rush him. They can just let him develop at his own pace. And then maybe that log gym is clear stuff up. Who you never know. They can make a trade, you know, have him put this an injury, whatever. But, you know, so that's why I'm getting more shares of Partea than I am uh Kevin Ruiz right now. So if you get Ruiz, I try to sell high if you can, but because that window's kind of closing. But Cartea is still very, he's still a pretty reasonable price in actually leagues right now. So I definitely go with him if you can. But moving on here to the 2020 draft class, which really was a nice little punch in the arm for this position. Now we went, we talked briefly about uh, some of these guys in our, in our first episode when we went over first year player draft hitters, but not really in depth. So let's talk about the the big four here from this draft class, and that was Tyler Soderstrom, Austin Wells, Patrick Bailey and Dylan Dingler all went in the first couple of rounds. Soderstrom to Oakland, Wells to the Yankees, Bailey to San Francisco, and Dingler to Detroit in their great draft class hall of, of collegiate talent. All four of these guys are guys that definitely have, you know, 
pretty solid long-term fantasy aspirations. You know, I like Austin Wells the, the most out of these guys, but he also is the least likely to stay at the position. So there's that kind of you know factor you got to play into it. But Chris, you know, who, who do you like the most out of this out of this quartet of guys here? Yeah, I think it's easily Wells, like you said. That bat is just going to play so nice in Yankee Stadium. We both talked about that a little bit in our first-year player draft. I know you were kind of discouraged as a Red Sox fan a little bit. uh, (laughs) I know. It's it's nitpicking, though. (laughs) Right. I mean, he's a lefty. That porch, he's got big, raw power. He could easily hit 30 bombs in Yankee Stadium. I love the profile. Like you mentioned, it's hard to see him sticking there long-term. And actually the same with with Tyler Soderstrom, which I also like. He would be my second catcher out of this class, uh, but it's hard to see him. He's probably more likely to stick than Wells, but who knows? I think that Wells probably takes like the Schwarber path where he may stick at catcher for a little bit, but ultimately he ends up at a corner outfield spot potentially. Hard hard to say, but the bat's going to play, man. He's He's got a very solid bat. He's already an advanced hitter. He's got the big pop. And big frame at 6'2", 220, like, just look at him. You just see a guy that can mash the ball. So it would be, be fun to see him develop this year. But, I mean, he was very solid at Arizona, played very solid competition. And I think that he's just going to continue to develop and, and really take off because he was he was only a draft-eligible sophomore last year. And so he really only had like a season and a half, not even a half of season last year, but full one full season of college ball. And, and he's legit, no doubt. Yeah, so I definitely agree that Wells is the top guy out of this four. You know, you mentioned plus hit, plus power, left-handed Yankee Stadium. That's just a recipe for a lot of, you know, nice-looking stats. But, you know, probably more of an outfielder long-term. You know, they already have, you know, they have Gary Sanchez there. They have Josh Burrell in the minor leagues. They have they have a couple other options that are better suited to stick behind the dish than – Austin Wells is, but at the same time, they're going to get that bat to the lineup. Yankees are, you know, are notorious for doing that. They'll move guys around a little bit just to get their bats in the lineup. Um, oh, I said of Clint Frazier. He, they didn't put Clint Frazier in the lineup until this year uh, full-time. But Wells is you know, he's a very advanced guy, too, so I don't think it'll take a lot of time for him to get up to New York. And we're looking at a guy that's going to be you know 280-plus, 25-plus potential at peak. This be one. If he, and as long as he can keep that catcher eligibility – who knows how long he keeps that, but if he can get that just for the first couple of years of his career, just get enough games. Maybe he's like the you know backup catcher or something, emergency third catcher. Gets like five to ten games a year just to keep that eligibility. That'd be great, but I don't see that happening. Or that's probably best case scenario for his defensive eligibility. But even at, even if at outfield, which is where I do think he ends up long term, like I said, that bat is just going to play anywhere. You know, I'm I'm kind of the lowest on Patrick Bailey, and he was the top draft pick i think for real life catcher he's a great real life catcher but i think for offensively i think maybe we see like a 50 hit 50 power and at san fran san fran is not great for power hitters so that suppresses that even more so maybe he's like a 260 hitter hitting 10 to 12 bombs a year but he's a guy that's gonna have a long career he's a very good defender a good arm you know good receiving skills can handle pitching stuff well from what i've read so you know, I think he'll probably have a very long career, but he, he's the one I'm lowest on. As for the other two, I'm pretty close. Soderstrom and, and, and Dingler, I'm pretty – they were only three spots apart in my first-year player draft rankings. I had Dingler a, a few spots higher, but it's probably because he, he's a little more polished, a little more advanced than Soderstrom. 
I think might have slightly higher offensive ceiling. I mean, he could be, you know, above average in both hit tool and power. I think Dingle can be as well. And he's another guy that is very good defensively as well. So I think he's has a, a very good shot. Dingler and Bailey are the two I think will definitely stick a catcher along. You'd, if you told me to pick two guys here that will stick a catcher, it'd be Dingler and Bailey. Um, but I think both Sotoshan and, ba- and Dingler have, you know, top 10 fantasy catcher upside at peak. Obviously, they just got drafted, so we haven't even seen them in the minor leagues yet. But very good offensive upside for both those guys. Um, it's a little less for Bailey, but you know, he, he's a guy that maybe he sneaks into that conversation or at least a C2 conversation. You know, maybe he's 15 to 20 range. He's, he's you know, solid hit. I'm not saying he's bad. He's, you know, as an average hit, average power. For catcher, that's actually pretty pretty good. But slightly lower ceiling for, for him, at least in my eyes, than others. But I'm also probably one of the lower ones around on him. I've seen him very, very high on other rankings. Overall, I know, and Chris, you had him a good probably 30 spots ahead of me, I think. Where'd you have him in your rankings overall? Do you remember the range? Yeah, PD. yeah. Uh, probably like the f- between 40 and 50, maybe. Okay, I think I had him like 60. So maybe you were like 15 to 20 spots ahead of me. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think I've seen him up in the 20s and the teens. So yeah, I'm definitely the, the low man on Bailey, but that doesn't mean I don't like him. I still think he could be a pretty, pretty good fan sketcher for. Uh, Real life catcher for a long time, especially with his defensive skills out there in San Fran. It's going to be the, the heir apparent to uh, Buster Posey. Because Chadwick Trump isn't it, even though that's a great name to say. I love Chadwick Trump. Very, very fancy sounding name there. Um, before we get out of here, a couple upside guys that are really shooting up rankings. And we, we both listed them in our top 12 to start the show out. Now, let's start with Ivan Herrera. You know, Chris, where do you have him? You know, where do you, where do you think Ivan Herrera could be long-term? Because he's really been shooting up rankings over the last year or so here. You know, he's a, you know, I know Matt Thompson of Prospects Live is very high on him, as he should be as a, as a Cardinals fan. Um, he's been singing his praises for a while now. He's one of the, probably the first guys I heard to get really, really excited about Ivan Herrera. And a lot of it, also followed suit. But where do you, where do you think Ivan Herrera can be long-term? He seems very solid just across the board. I don't think he's not going to be like a standout in any one particular category for fantasy, but I think he's just very solid, like a solid contributor. I don't think he's going to be in the elite tier by any means, but I do think you're looking at a guy you probably start and roster in most 12 team leagues, you know, even in one catcher, like that's the kind of potential we're looking at here, probably like the 10 to 12 range of catchers overall. Like right now he's, he's my 12th ranked catcher for prospects. But there's definitely the potential to move up. I mean, he's 20 years old. He's still young and developing. We saw him get to double A actually in 2018, which was encouraging. And then 2019, he was back down in in single A and two levels there. But he was, again, just really solid. He's shown good ability to uh, walk and good plate discipline. The strikeout numbers overall have been good. And I think that he is the guy that the Cardinals want to be their Yachty successor, you know, and who knows if Molina's back this year or not. Herrera's obviously not quite ready to take over in 2021, but I think by 2023, like he's definitely the guy and I think he's going to be really solid. It's funny. um, You mentioned that he's the heir apparent. I I saw a tweet. I forget who it was by that when they were talking about Herrera, they're like, and he's the the 38th heir to the throne of Yachty and Molina. There's been like a few of these guys that have been like, oh, this is the guy that takes over for Yachty when he finally, 
you know, retires. But Yachty just keeps playing. So who knows? But I think I think the, the timeline of Yachty to Herrera works here. Um, so I definitely think Herrera is going to take over as that starting catcher in St. Louis. Probably, I think, 20, sometime in 2022. Definitely not this year. But I think 2022, we could definitely see him take over. And I think he's – Herrera, I think, has the potential to be what everybody thought and wanted Kuiper Ruiz to be. Where The, the hit tool is very good. Power kind of lags behind a little bit, but there's still maybe around average power um, long-term. So maybe he's like a 280, 290 hitter, 15 or so bombs. I think that's what we all wanted Ruiz to be. I think Herrera can definitely be that. Um, but what I'm, I'm even more excited about, even though he might probably doesn't stay at catcher, who knows, you know, played catcher first base and a little bit of corner outfield this past year. That's Harry Beto Hernandez, a guy that's shooting up everyone's rankings and I, I've been getting him in a lot, of, a lot of dynasty startups lately over the last year or so. Just listen, listen to these numbers here. This is this remember this is a guy that kind of sort of is a catcher in 113 career minor league games. Now, granted, this is at uh, mostly in the rookie rookie levels. He's only had three games above rookie ball in the Arizona Arizona League and the Dominican, Dominican Summer League. Slash line is 320, 450, 635. 32 doubles, 9 triples, 23 home runs, 98 RBI, 102 runs scored. You know, and just for good measure, he threw in 8 steals. Oh, a little bit more? 82 walks to 101 Ks in 473 play appearances. Holy crap. That is, that's just a, that's a tasty line if I ever saw one. You know, obviously, you you got to take minor league, or especially rookie ball numbers with a grain of salt. But, man, Chris, the offensive upside here with Hernandez is freaking through the roof, isn't it? Yeah, I don't care where he plays. Obviously, the catcher eligibility helps a ton because if he maintains that eligibility and performs at that level, like he could be a top three catcher pretty easily with that yep. ability. I mean, he, we're looking at a guy that has potential plus hit, plus power. Dang, he's, he's just so good. Who knows where he ends up, man? Catcher first corner outfield we don't really know yet but i'm telling you the bat's gonna play anywhere and if we can just get enough games at catcher each year that'd be awesome man for fantasy oh, purposes that, i'd love that, that that'd be insane Pro- maybe he's just a guy they stick at dh first base he, dh kind of guy he, he yeah. probably fits the dh mold honestly like more his fielding is just not the best so yeah. i see that but again, this is a guy I talked about in our hitting hitter rising uh, episode. Dude, yeah. I'm just very stoked about him. And we were talking again for the show. Like we're still probably low on him. Just looking at everything in the profile, he's so stinking good, man. I know. Like this is a potential plus hit, plus power. You know, really a guy to dream on. Uh, he's still only. I think he might have just turned 20 years old. So he's still very young, very projectable. But yeah, offensively. And maybe he can even add like he's he's not a great runner. He's not gonna be a great runner, but you know, maybe he, he's a guy that adds like a handful of steals every year. I think he could be that type of guy. Just a, just a little extra, you know, to his his offensive profile. And yeah, I, I just want him to get in that Texas lineup and he he probably got this probably hit right in the middle of that lineup. But that could that could be a sneaky good lineup in a few years too, when they get, you know, him and and you know, Hoff will be up there, Josh Young, um, Leody Taveras came up. You know, guys like that. Um, I think it could be a stinky good uh, uh, shirt and apostle. I knew I was forgetting one shirt and apostle as well. Um, so I think, yeah, Hernandez is going to be an 
absolute fantasy stud, has that potential to be where if, you, if you're ranking guys right now for catchers, and we'll still include him for now, for just on upside, you can make a case at that his upside, pure ceiling, is damn near Joey Bart. You could make that claim. Obviously, Bart, very much more advanced, very much, you know, has the higher floor, obviously. But, God, Hernandez is right there if you're ranking on strictly ceiling, best-case scenario outcomes. Yeah, you definitely got to be excited about what Hernandez can do. He's definitely be one of the guys I'm looking, I'll am looking. i be watching closest. You know, hopefully we have a normal-looking 2021 minor league season here. Uh, he's definitely going to be one I'm keeping a very close eye on. And if you can... Get all the shares of Harry Barrett that you can right now because that window is going to be closed pretty soon. I think if you see him continue to mash in 2021, that price, you're looking at a top 50 overall prospect easily, maybe even higher than that. He's got that type of upside. Um, all right, let's end the show there. Let's, let's end it on a good note here. You know, there's a lot more catchers we could have talked about. You know, very you know, so catcher has gotten deeper over the last years. We, 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 we got Ronaldo Hernandez, Miguel Amaya. You know, the Atlanta duo of uh, William Contreras and Shay Langleyers. So a very good, you know, very good catching class right now coming up to the minors here. We will post our consensus top, you know, probably top 20 or so catchers between Chris and I. We'll put our rankings together and, and get a consensus top 20. We'll post that on our uh, our show Twitter probably Tuesday or Wednesday, probably midweek sometime. Give this show a, a couple days to marinate in the minds of everybody, but um until then here give us a follow i'm at eric cross 04 chris is at roto clegg and our show is at fantrax Toolshed. again please go out and if you can uh donate to the gofundme that i tweeted out uh for john cavano and his family um even if you can just a simple retweet does wonders as well just to get that word out there further um we will be back next week doing some first baseman um, so until then take care